Matthew 16, verse 19. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Do you notice which direction this comes from? Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. What are you loosing into your life? With your words, with your speech, with your attitudes, with your behaviors, with the choices you make, what are you loosing into your life? And what are you binding in your life? And then I, I think it's important to note this, and I have this whiteboard, because um, so it says, and I will give you the keys. Now, track with me here. I will give you the what? Keys. It's plural. Meaning there are different keys for different doors. Right? There are different, let me say it this way, there are different keys for different points of access and entry. In the kingdom, the kingdom is not just Jesus is the door, but he's, he's the door to get into it to what? He's the door to get into eternal So he's the door for eternal life, but there are other doors. And there are other points of entry. And there are other keys that you must use. Let me give you a key that's an interesting key that just popped in my head. We will enter into his courts with... I I did. I was right, but I said it wrong. We will enter into his gates with... Gate. We'll enter his gates with... That's a key. So if you need access to another, let's just say you're having a hard day on a Monday, you're in your house, you're trying to get your praise on, trying to get your praise on, you're listening to worship music. Listen, just turning worship music on does not help change the atmosphere of your house and get you into a new dimension of glory. Thanksgiving does. Now, okay, let me do this, let me do this uh, disclaimer before I go further. I like Bethel. Let me just, I'm not going to name all of them, but that's the big one. So let's just name that one, right? I like IHOP's worship. I like, uh, what's it, uh, another one, the new one that, upper room. upper room. I like Upper Room. They're great and all. But just listen to their music doesn't get you access to new dimensions. Thanksgiving does. The, what we have done in the church is we are riding on the coattails of other people's private pursuit. And we call that We call that holiness. We call that passion. I call it laziness. Because you will never be able to exchange the personal pursuit that someone else has, make an equal exchange for it. I I will never be able to engage the, the anointing, engage God's presence, engage in intimacy, engage in relationship just by listening to somebody else's demonstrative display of a personal and private pursuit. It will always be diminished in value and in quality. 
And God is saying, if you want to enter into the realms of glory that you celebrate others entering into, you have to do the work of using the proper keys in the proper entryways at the proper time. Stop riding on everybody else's experience and have your own. I said that way better than in the first service. I don't even think I said that in the first service. Like, and it was sad. It's sad, too, because it was packed up in here. And I just bombed that first service. But God has a way of doing his thing and telling people what they need to hear. But that felt good right there. That, that right there, I would write that down. I'm just telling you, that didn't come from me, but that was good stuff. And, and it's, not, it's not bad we celebrate movements. But the reality is they're moving and you're not. Just because something's moving and you participate in it don't mean you're moving. Most of the time, most, I use words like most, most of the time when we celebrate movements is because there's dispensation between what they experience and what we experience in our personal life. You can't celebrate a movement that's doing something that you're doing in your private life. There's nothing to celebrate because you already are that movement. We need to stop chasing movements and we need to become one. God is calling you to be a movement. If there's something you admire and you admire about something, listen, admiration comes from a place of lack. Come on now. You don't have to like it, but I think this is right. I think. I'm just throwing this stuff out there. It's like spaghetti. We'll see if it hits, sticks. I don't know. But admiration comes from a place of lack. You can't admire something that you don't see dispensation between. So when you are constantly admiring movements of God and things that are happening, and people do this and people do that, and I love how they do it, and you're, it's nothing wrong with admiring, but, but it, 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 it should be revelatory of the fact that there is some separation between what they do and what you do. And when you, when you constantly are living in admiration, but you never stand on the truth of God for yourself, you're constantly showing your immaturity that there's something to admire that you have not chased in the private areas of your life. Demonstratively, it looks good. Privately, you're revealing that I'm admiring something that I feel far from. So the question then becomes is how do we bridge the gap between what we chase and admire and who we are. It's good stuff. It requires soul searching. And as JD, Pastor J.D. said, it requires us to use proper keys. He just now said it. That's why I was just repeating it because it was right. It was right. That's, what I, that's where I'm going. So this, ladies and gentlemen... Is a key. But it's not just a key, it's key. I don't know, I don't, I'm not drawing multiple of them. Give me a break. I'm just putting an S up there. It's keys of the kingdom. We enter into his gates with, and then that's one dimension. We enter into his courts with, that's another key. You don't get to use the Thanksgiving key at the court door. We have people that are wanting to go from 30-fold to 60-fold to 100-fold with the same key. Notice that it doesn't say the key of Jesus. Notice it doesn't say the key 
of Jesus. Notice that it says the keys of the... For all who believe in Jesus, we have received the... So belief is the key in Jesus. When we believe in Jesus, we get something and access to something on the other side of the door. He is the door. When we use belief as the key, the key belief is the key. We use belief on Jesus, we get the... When we use the keys, you're doing good, just say it out loud, don't be scared, I'm not tricking you. We use the key of belief in Jesus, we get what? The kingdom, eternal life, but it is the kingdom. But uh, that's, not, that's not wrong, uh, Pastor Liz. <laughs> that's not wrong, because eternal life is being sealed with the Holy Spirit. The, the seal of the Spirit is what gives you eternal life. Are you with me? So the kingdom is the Holy Spirit. We receive that. It is put in us and sealed up till the day of atonement. And we have that now. And these keys go to where? To Jesus? They go to where? Kingdom. We need to celebrate Jesus. Because if it were not for him, we wouldn't have the kingdom. But some of us, and this is where I, I'm constantly preaching on because I'm just going to constantly remind us because some of us are new. We, if we're always stopping at the cross, if we're always stopping at Jesus, we will never fully use the key of the kingdom because we are so enamored with the key we use for Jesus. And for a lot of people, their personal life is belief. And they don't even know that belief already got them access to the door that they need to. They need to use a different key for the kingdom. Jesus died to get you the kingdom that you could use the keys for the kingdom. And you're still using the same dumb key on Jesus. He's already opened. We live in a Bethel movement says we live under open heavens. They probably didn't even make that up. Some other old pastor probably made it up. Actually, Jesus made it up. <laughs> because he's open to all who? All right. That's, that's settled. We need to stop trying to preach people saved. You know, just, just, just kind of preach people saved. Listen, people are saved. They need more. There's more. 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. Are you with me? They're like, well, when I press in, I'll get to see Jesus. No, Jesus was in the 30-fold. He was out there with the sling in the blood and stuff. We need to press in to higher callings. It's the Holy Spirit. That's why he came to die. That's why I came to die. You know, anyway, I don't know why I talk like that sometimes. So, and then we go to Genesis. And it says, while the earth remains. Let me break this down for you in a very annoying kind of way. And I don't want to have to do, I don't have time to preach about all this. But you just do some homework. Google it. Now, you can't believe everything you read on Google. Right? You can't. But there's, it'll get you started. <laughs> You ought to just read your Bible. That will help you a lot because you know that's the truth and the whole truth and nothing but the truth, so help himself. You know what I mean? I mean, it's, it's like it's awesome. <clears throat> but while the earth remains, for edification of us all in here today, the earth will always remain. Actually, Jesus uh, will return and he will restore the earth to what it was because God never, never starts something that he doesn't finish. That's lost on us. He don't just throw it all away. He comes and restores it to what his original intent was. And, and, and through belief, he's restored us to the original intent for us in, in the spirit. But he's got some work to do on this body of mine, which is fading away. And my mind, he's restoring that, but I am fully restored in the spirit. And, and so those things, the earth, my body, my mind, those will be fully restored one day. 
but the earth is not thrown away and disposed of. It is restored. Guess who he's going to use to restore it? Why restore something that people don't exist on? The point of the earth is that we would manage it, have authority over it, and run it. All of earth is moaning and groaning to push out sons of God into the world that would operate the way that Jesus intended us to operate. In your world, in your circle, you have authority to rule that thing the way God intended. How are you ruling your world? Because restoration comes, track with me now, through using the right keys and sowing the right seed in your life. Earth will always be here. We need to quit praying that God take us away and we need to begin to stand in what he's called us to. Oh, that's better than you think it is. Because if we're constantly praying that God to remove us out of here, we don't have an understanding that, that heaven is a place of industry. A lot of us, this is training grounds for what you'll do for all eternity. You're like, I want a better job. But he's called us to do things. And, and, there, and really, there, there's a lot of things we'll do uh, with words. I don't have time to go into all that with authority. And it will look different. It will look different how we manage the earth. But while the earth remains, seed time and harvest will happen. That means forever. Forever. All right. Seed time and harvest. So that means this. We don't just do seed time and harvest because we're still here on earth. And eventually there won't be any seed time and harvest in heaven or earth. That's where you're assigned. Seed time and harvest, cold and heat. <laughs> why, man, why? Winter and summer, rain and not rain. I just threw that in there. It's like Sean's version. And day and night shall not cease. Those cycles were not put in place because they were wrong. Meaning this, seed, seed time and harvest is a necessary prerequisite to bearing fruit. Come on now. These are keys of the what? All right. We're going to try to connect these. And this is not rain. That's seed. All right. I don't know. That's ground. Okay. <coughs> um, and this is seeds of the... You cannot bear proper food until you've thrown proper seed. In the Bible, the Bible is interesting, but we do this much in our life. We give descriptive words, multiple descriptive words to describe one concept or idea. Meaning that Jesus is the lion and he is the lamb. But he is the same thing, right? You see where I'm going with this? So, I believe, I believe that these are synonymous for one another. Meaning wherever you see seed sown, it's, it's, it gives you access to something that is inside the seed. God hides, he, the kingdom, listen to this, this is awesome. The kingdom is hidden as a treasure in a field. Meaning that it is like a seed. Whenever you, whenever you, and, and then listen, but it's like a key. But it's like a seed. 
But if it's a treasure in a treasure box, you'd have to dig it out, and then you'd have to use a key to get in the treasure. It's synonymous for one another. Meaning that all of the treasure is wrapped up in the DNA of the seed. You use the proper seed, you get the proper fruit. You use the proper key, you get the proper access. It's the same thing. So he is talking in terms of, he's giving comparison ideas. For some of you here today, it's going to make more sense viewing the kingdom as being able to get access to the kingdom through keys. For some of you today, it's going to be easier for you to understand it in the terms of a seed. But the point is that something has to be used, something specific has to be used to get access to something in a greater dimension of glory. Hmm. In other words, God is saying to you, I give you the right to decide what future it is you want. Now sow for it. (laughs) You're like, whoa, hold on, baby. God is in control. And he's like, that just shows your immaturity. Because if I were in control... Your marriage wouldn't be messed up. Your kids wouldn't be jacked up. The church wouldn't be messed up. This world wouldn't be messed up. You wouldn't be killing everything. And I'd, if I were in control, God's saying this. I feel like I'm paraphrasing him in my own messed up, screwed up way. Because I don't know for sure. But if God were in control, he'd have it fixed by supper time. But the problem is, you're in control. Well, I've just had bad luck. Maybe not. Some of you, young people, some of you are reaping a harvest that your parents or grandparents sowed improperly. Come on, listen to me now. This is important. And, and, and for the point of because all the parents, I don't want all the kids riding home with me. Say, you jacked it all up. It's all your fault. And I need to go to counseling now. I mean, this is like, like we don't need to have that conversation. Because if it's just an issue of, you know, I have, I have parents come into my office a lot. Just FYI, most of the parents that come talk to me have kids older than me. So I don't understand. You know, I don't even understand the world you're coming from. But I do understand one thing. That we do the best to raise our kids to know the Lord. And the rest is in their control. And that's a dynamic we don't preach about in the church. Because we want to give God a hard time because he has jacked up kids. And he does everything perfect. And he's still got messed up kids. And this dumb message that says, well, you didn't raise your kids right. That's why they act that way. What does that say about God? That's dumb philosophy. I don't want to hear it no more. I don't want to hear it no more. Do we have a responsibility to raise... Do pastors, let's just talk about pastors. Do pastors have a... If you can't lead your home, you probably shouldn't be leading a church. But that don't mean you ain't going to have messed up kids because you didn't do it. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like, well, he's the devil because he's got a jacked up kid. He shouldn't be preaching to me. No, that's... Listen, if you guys say that, I'm rolling your house. Like, like with wet toilet paper. You know what I mean? Because we can all do the best we can do. You're not going to be perfect. But parents, it is, it, but at the same time, you're not going to be perfect, but at the same time, you have a responsibility because what seeds you sow, 
a lot of times your kids reap the harvest of what you sowed in your life. How scary is that, right? And kids, kids begin to blame God because God's in control. They blame God for, the, for the, what they're living in. It ain't God's fault. The problem is God made the earth, he made you, and he put you in control of it. So some of us need to begin to own our zone, as Brooke said from some women's retreat sometime. Or as I would like to say, you, you, you echo Jesus to your circle or your world. Own it. I like own your zone better, but I can't fit that in my vision. So I, own your zone is good. That's basically what we're saying. Do you take ownership of what God has entrusted to you? Or, or, or track with me. Listen to this. Don't wake back up. Wake your neighbor up. Listen to me because this, this is going to be fun. Or are you too busy trying to tell everybody else how to own their zone that you failed to own your own? <laughs> That's good stuff right there, man. That preached to myself. That hurt. Ow, ow. That hurt me. That hurt me. There will always be seed time, meaning this, that this should be encouraging to you. God is saying, if you want something, sow for it. And, and don't be mad at me that you don't get it because you didn't sow for it. You're in control. Well, I, I would just rather pray a prayer for 30 seconds and poof, I got it. He's like, no, you got to sow for it. You got to tend it. You got to water it. You got to, mm, mm, you got to wait for it because of seed time and harvest. You mean tell me I can't just pray and get what I want tomorrow? No. You got to wait. for Why? Because it's seed, it's time, and it's... Now, here's, here's the thing that people are thinking in here today, because I had some people disagree with me because I wasn't trying to set you up, but listen to this. Listen to this. Some of us think that we get something instantaneously, but just because it happened in an instant to you doesn't mean that multiple people were praying and sowing that you might reap the reward in an instant of what they paid a lifetime for you to get. We are preaching a false gospel that says we can get access to, we call it the miraculous. If you are experiencing a miraculous, Okay, let me, let, me, let me do this. I'm coming down. I'm coming down. I know you hate me for this, but I'm going to do it. You don't hate me. You guys are nicer than me. So if I were to say you came to me and say, Sean, I really need you to lay hands on me and pray for me. And I were to lay hands on you and I would pray for you. And you had a sickness. You had an issue. You had something. And pray for you. And God just healed it in a second. It isn't that you got that in an instant. It isn't that no one sowed seeds. You don't know the hell I've been through in my life. To walk in that kind of anointing. I've been through some stuff. I've been cast out. I've been rejected. I've been thrown out. I've been spit on. I've been run over. I've stood and persevered in hell and high water. I've stood in some storms. I have come out on the other side. And God, listen, this just didn't happen in a second because you had somebody lay your hands on. This was a lifetime of seeking God and understanding that he is a God who delivers and lays hand and pray and she is delivered in an instant. It wasn't an instant. It was years of faithful devotion seeking him in the private recesses of my life, that the outward manifestation came from a private devotion. 
I'm tired of a church preaching a gospel that what it happens in an instant. Even Jesus was sown to the world, walked 33 years before you got your deliverance by believing. Who do we think we are to think that this is some kind of shake and bake microwave theology? We can get what we want, when we want, or we'll throw a fit. You have to pay the price, and it takes some time, and it takes some commitment, and it takes some sacrifice, and we're going to get what we're going to get because of what we've invested in what we've invested in. Oh, that's good stuff. And we just got to get real about it. All right, all right. Okay. Be careful that you don't hate on somebody else's harvest. Their harvest is indicative of the seed they've sown. And your, your jealousy is, revelat- is revelatory of what you haven't sown. That's good stuff, man. That wasn't even on my notes, the second part of that. That was... I agree. I agree. Amen. I agree with that. (laughs) So seed time and harvest. Listen. Some people are like this. I just need peace. I just really need some peace. So do I. I just just been praying. I actually overheard somebody. I I wrote a blog about this, so I've already kind of given you a sneak peek if you watch read my blog. But I overheard somebody say, I just really need some peace. I just really need some peace. I've been praying for peace. Is that what they said? I want to make sure I have to do that. Hold on. I heard something. No, no, no. No, no, no. I need some peace. That's why I've been coming to this church. That's what it was. <laughs> Listen to that again. I've been, I've been, I need some peace. That's why I've been coming to this church. I'm here every day, and sometimes, sometimes this church takes away my peace. <laughs> Is that Bobby? Right? Is that Bobby? Bobby? Yeah, I can't see you, who you are. Eric. Okay, Eric. Sorry, I'm sorry. I thought it was Bobby. You're leaning back like a gangster. I thought it was Bobby. Anyway, <laughs> um, so, so anyway. But no, I've come in here every day, and there are just days, quite honestly, that, I mean, it's not you guys, you guys are great and all, but I, I, sometimes it just takes away my peace. You know what? Coming to church is not the key for peace. Here, you, can you want me to give you a key? I'm not going to give all of them because you need to read the Bible and stuff. That's what it's here for. Listen, this is not to boss you around and tell you what to do. This is to give you keys and seed that when you sow it and use it, you get into new dimensions of glory, and you bear the fruit. What are the fruits of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, long-suffering, self-control, any of those things. I, sometimes I say more just because I've, I've read them in different translations, but you get the point. But peace is one of them. Well, how do I get the fruit of the Spirit? You sow the right seed. You get the right fruit. Well, so if I sow, you're, I'm going to tell you what the seed is. I'm going to tell you what the seed is for peace. It ain't coming to church. Coming to church matters, but it and that's, one, that's a seed, but it ain't the seed for peace. You know what the seed for peace is? It says, those who keep their mind set on God will keep their life set in perfect peace. So keeping your mind set on God. Okay, so I'll put it in the middle because it, it applies to both of them. Keep mind on God 
equals what? Peace. Okay, hold on. Hold on, guys. Everybody with me for just a moment. Everybody with me. Just think about God. Oh, God, we love you. Oh, God, we love you. Nope, I don't feel any peace. Well, that was the wrong key. That was probably the wrong C. It didn't happen in a second. <laughs> what person goes out into a field, puts a seed in, and is like, stupid seed, it's a dud. <laughs> that was really funny. So, anyway, um, so anyway, this is the key word, keep. In between services, I looked this up. This is one of the words that I use quite a bit. It's active indicative. Present active indicative means always now. It's always working forever and ever. So you have to constantly be doing this in your now. Constantly and consistently have that be your focus and peace will ensue. It ain't just a one-hit wonder. You throw a seed down and wait for it to happen in three seconds. You're like, woo, woo, nope. Oh, man. So then you try to come to church to get your peace. <laughs> Lord, we, we celebrate you today. We worship you. May our heart be in peace. <laughs> it's not a prayer that does it, right? It's not a prayer that does it. It is, it is keeping your mind constantly focused on him. How ironic today that I got irritated in the first service because of the mic situation. Does that mean you're always going to have your mind on him? No. But, but those that have faithfully been keeping their mind on him walk in peace. And, and when you get their mind off of them, here's the good thing about it. Okay. Here's the good thing. When you're faithfully, year after year, keeping your mind on him, it is hard to get out of peace. You have to evacuate all the crop out of the land. You might get out of seeding. You might get out of using the key, but it won't get you out of the blessing. As, listen, just as long as it takes to get into the blessing, it takes to get out of it. That's good news up in here today. That's good news. That means you can be an idiot one day and, and you won't just jump out of peace because it, the same amount of time it took you to get in, it takes you to get out. Man, that's good stuff. My goodness, that should, that should, man, that's shouting. Somebody should run on that one. Like, whoa, you know, I mean, like, that's just exciting. I should encourage you today. All right. All right, so that's it, okay. So coming to church don't get you your peace. Listen, somebody else said, I heard somebody say, I've just, been, I've just been on my knees praying. I have large financial needs, and I quote, I have large financial needs. I've been on my knees praying. Listen. You can pray until your knees are sore and your mouth is parched, but prayer is not the key or the seed for money. <laughs> okay. I'm going to tell you, here, here's, what, here's money. That's what you need. What is the key for money? Does anybody know? Well, you know you were in the first service, so I don't count. Somebody shout it out. That's it. How many of you were in the service of saying that, you cheaters? All right. Um, <laughs> money. Money is the key for money. Shoot. Like, you mean I got to sow money to get money? Can it be like me being nice to my wife? I'd be like, I love you, baby. Cha-ching. 
You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> I mean, so, right, Pastor Cliff, that'd be easy. <laughs> Some of you'd be like, I'd be broke my whole life. Don't be saying that while your wife's sitting right there. That was harsh. I'm sorry. Money is the key to money. The reality is many of us are trying to pray ourselves out of financial debt. I'm going to be so bold as to say this. When you use the improper key, when you throw the improper seed, let me say it this way. The Bible actually talks about eating your seed or sowing your seed. And it says, you don't have the harvest your heart desires because you keep eating the seed instead of sowing it. That's a perfect thing for this. Because there's some things worth sowing. Amen? I, I use this example. Like, many of us in our house, we got, listen, we got to see, okay, let me say this. For us to sow properly, we have to see that what we have is actually seed. Meaning this, let me give this example. In our culture today, in America particularly, you know, we don't want to be inconvenienced with other people. Like, I'm, it's my personality, I like to get away, you know, and, and I understand that. But then at the same time, we have a need to reach lost people, desperate people, hurting, hurting people, homeless people. We want the church, the organization of the church, the church organization, we want them to help. But you are the church. And the way that we, we help people is by using what we have as seed. Some of you have a room in your house you haven't been into in a year. You don't even go in there. Then some of the same people might come to me and say, I really have a heart for the homeless. I really have a heart for the, for the single moms that don't have a place to stay and they can't afford to stay somewhere. I really have a heart for... Okay, can I ask you a question? If you have a heart for that, God gave you that desire in your heart. Now, what are you going to do with the seed you got? Because some of you got a room for that person to stay in. And that room ain't brick and mortar. Just like this church ain't brick and mortar. That room is a seed that you can sow to bless the person that you desire to bless. You, ladies and gentlemen, are the hope of glory. That's hard, right? Because I mean, even saying that, you're like, oh, I don't even know that I could do that. It ain't easy. Just like it ain't easy, so in, I mean, get tithing 10% to the church. That's not easy either. Well, that's the Old Testament. <laughs> Listen, this is a lordship issue. Actually, if you want to talk, Jesus didn't come to abort the law. He came to uphold it and make it more difficult. Because over the years, people are like, oh, those Ten Commandments? I can do those. I haven't killed nobody. Hadn't worshipped any of all gods. I haven't done this. haven't done that. haven't done this. And Jesus is like, yeah, did you talk about somebody yesterday? I thought I heard you talking about so-and-so behind the rock. Yeah, you killed him. <laughs> because in our arrogance, see, the law was supposed to put something in front of you that says, you'll never be able to live to this standard. I've called you to a great standard. I can fulfill it. Not only can I personally fulfill the law, but I can call you unto a righteousness that with the Holy Spirit you can live according to. Because if the Holy Spirit can't help me be like Jesus, why the heck did he give it to me in the first place? Oh, that's good stuff right there. 
Well, I, that's just the old testament. Well, that's just an excuse for you to not do what you're supposed to do. All right? And it's a lordship issue. Let's just start with some of you tip your servers better than you tip God. Let me, let me tell you another key before we get on the money thing. Let me get off that for a second because this is stressing me out. Okay, let me, um, let's say uh, key, uh, love, love. Love is a fruit, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. Right, so love. How do you get love in the Bible? Come on now, throw it out. You're probably going to be wrong, but how do you get it? Now everybody wants to shout it out, right? Um, no, what's your thought? Okay, yeah, okay, that's good. That was my first thing when I was seeking this out. I was seeking this out. I was like, well, you love. You love and you get love. Or you get love, so you love. Okay, that's closer. That's it. Woo, thank you, Pastor Lacey, right? Woo! Brown noser. That was really good, actually. Um, so you lay... Life. Jesus, uh, Jesus actually tells the disciples, he says, no greater love than this, that someone who would lay down his life for a friend. He says, this is how you get love. You're willing to lay your life down. Well, I will lay my life down in my service. I'll lay my life down um, a, 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 for my wife. I'll lay my life down for my kids. I'll lay my life down for the friends I like. I'll lay my life down for... For my pastor, as long as he's not annoying me, which is never. <laughs> but I cannot, I cannot lay my life down in regards to my finances. Uh, a few months back, I actually said, time, time is life. And time is money. And what you're doing when you go to work is you're exchanging some of your you're exchanging some of your life for money. Some of you are like, "Oh, I'm submitted to God. I'm so submitted. I'm the most submitted Christian you'll ever meet in your life. I've laid my life down for Him." But you hadn't given God anything financially. You know what? Your life is your money, and your money is your life. And if you can't lay that down, you don't get to say you love Him. That's hard, right? But it's the truth. That's the Bible. And I didn't say it. Hate him. He's not bipolar. He can handle it. He's not going to be, his whole world is not hanging and, and falling apart because you like him or don't like him. Mine might, but his won't. Be mad at him. But don't be mad that he won't supply Love, resources, peace, hope. Romans 5. Everybody turn to Romans 5. All right. It says this. Track with me. This is crazy right here. Now, some of you are like, oh, yeah, all I have to do, all I have to do is find the seed. All I have to do is find the key, and I'm going I'm to throw it in there, and boom, it's done. Track with, look at this, because this, this is, some of you want to get 
hope. You need your hope restored. Try, check with me. Check how annoying this process is. Because you don't just get hope by doing one thing. There is a sequence of doors you have to get through using the proper key to get access to the hope you desire. That's why people live hopeless lives. That's why suicide in Pleasant Hill is ranked really high. Because we're a hopeless generation. And, and track with me. Listen to what it says. Verse 3. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations. <laughs> Knowing that tribulation produces produce fruit. Tribulation is a seed that produce, it, it produces perseverance. So, tribulation, I'm going to do this. Tribulation produces what? All right. All right, so, listen, we're going to get to hope. But tribulation, perse- perseverance. And then you, so, you got to go through some trouble and stay in the trouble long enough to be a person who can persevere. All right? All right, then listen to this. Verse 3, and perseverance character. <laughs> so how do you get character? Persevere. But you can't persevere until you've stayed and let tribulation complete its work in you. The problem today is we have a bunch of people in church trying to pray themselves out of trouble, but trouble is producing in you far greater level of glory. All right. You don't get to pray yourself out of trouble. Trouble is what produces fruit. That's all right. Um, And then it goes in there and it says this. It says, and character, what does it produce? Hope. Well, I've just been praying that God would restore my hope. I've just been coming to church hoping God would restore my hope. I've just been, I've just been reading the Bible hoping that God would restore my hope. Listen, reading the Bible alone doesn't restore your hope. It gives you the keys to restore your hope. And the keys, ladies and gentlemen, are tribulation first, perseverance second, walk in character, your hope is restored. Come on, man. It, it, you, it, this is like, this is like, this is like, say I have a house, and inside my house, on the outside of my house, I have a door. And you can only get access inside the house if you have a key to the deadbolt and the door. And inside the house, I have a specific room in my house that has another door, and there's a lock on that door. And inside of that, I have a life safe box that no one needs to get in, robbers don't need to get in, and inside that life safe box, I have another key. The first key gets me into the outer door. Come on now. The second key gets me into the inner door. (laughs) And the third key gets me into the holiest of holies. Are you with me now? But you got to use the right key on the right door in the right place at the right time. And you don't get to skip over. You can't get access to the inner door, to the inner safe where the treasure is, unless you use the key for the outer door. Unless you're on Star Trek and you beat me up, Scotty, and you get in there. But that don't happen in real life. 
I don't know why I did that. I'm going to say this one last scripture, Brian, and then we're going to get off here. One last scripture. I, I just can't get off here without saying this because I think it's... Okay, some of you are like, I just wish God would fill me. I just wish God would fill me. I just wish God he would fill me. He would fill me with his presence. He would fill me with the Holy Spirit. It says in the Bible that you're to lay hands on people and you're to pray. But one of the things we don't, and we, you should pray for people, that they might be filled with the Holy Spirit. And you should ask to be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's part of it, but that's not the whole story. It's not just asking and praying. Matthew 6 says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for, for they shall be, come on now. There are two words in the Greek that are translated for righteousness. One is a righteousness unto God by which we can only become righteous through Jesus Christ, propitiation of our sins and our belief in that of. And then there's another righteousness that is unto man by the empowering and the filling of the Holy Spirit. This is the righteousness that it is talking about. That we would walk rightly before men that when people see our good works, they would believe in a heavenly Father that can change lives. So when we live, when we pursue, it says when we pursue, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for this type of righteousness in their life. For those are the ones who will be filled. Okay. Last thing. Uh, I think somebody help me with First King Scripture and I'm done. It really is my last thing. I just thought I'd throw that in there for fun. Arise, go to Zarephath which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. See, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. So he rose and went to Zarephath. Now this is Elijah, the prophet. Was being speaking, God is speaking to him and telling him where to go. So he rose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, notice there's a gate. Indeed, a, wind, a widow was there gathering sticks, and he called to her from the other side of the gate. There's a key that has to be used that he might have access into her life and that she might have access to him and the message he brings. Track with me now. Indeed, a window was ga- widow was gathered there with sticks and he called to her and said, please bring me a little water and a cup that I may drink. And, and, and as she was going to get it, he called to her again from the other side of the gate and said, please bring me a morsel of bread in your hands. So she said, as the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread. Only a handful of flour in a bin. Seed. She had bread in seed form. Some of us never have a harvest because we don't see what we have as seed form. And when we can take what we have in seed form, we can have what we desire in harvest form. As the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread, only the handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar. And see, I am gathering all a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat and die. That's a desperate situation, right? Like you're downright hungry if a biscuit won't save you. 
hungry, starving. And listen to what this guy, listen to what Elijah, the prophet, the man of God, asked her for. After she says, we're going to die because we're starving to death. We have nothing. We're poor. We're broke. We have nothing. You, a man of God, is asking me for something I don't have. And then he says this. He says this. Do not fear because fear prevents you from seeing seed as potential harvest. Fear is the opposite, come on, of faith. And, and, and go and do as you have said, but make me a small cake from it first and bring it to me. He's still pressing in, man. I, like, I would have got the point and left her alone. And afterwards, making some for yourself and your son, for thus says the Lord of God of Israel, the bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. See, you're afraid that if you sow your seed, you'll have nothing left. But God promises if you sow your seed, it will never run out. Because what I can get through you, I'll get to you. 